as I told you, I recently threw out my back, and so I was unable to run the half marathon. But I'm feeling my mortality these days. Like, every year up to 35, like, I felt like, I still felt pretty young and vibrant and nimble. But when 35 hit, I just could not deny my aging any longer. Like, I'm officially a middle-aged man now. And I threw out my back a few weeks ago and made me think, like, I started thinking about my future and envisioning what kind of old man Mickey do I want to be. And one thing is um, I do want to be healthy. I want to be able to still run marathons. I have a friend whose dad is, like, 70, and he ran his, like, 45th marathon the other month. And I'm like, that's a little much, but okay. (laughs) But the thing I was really thinking about is what do I want to be like when people are in my presence What do I want them to experience when I'm older? Like, do I want them to experience my wisdom? Or do I want them to experience my steadfastness? And I was just telling Devin over there, I think the one thing that I want to hold on to more than anything as I age, as I grow older, is I want to still have a tender, open heart by the time I'm old. Um, Devin gave a great illustration. She was like, oh, so the opposite of Mr. Fredrickson from Up. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly it. Because some of us, I think what happens is the older we get, the more life we experience, the more bitter and the more hardened our hearts get. I mean, some of you, even in the last few years, going through a pandemic, going through everything in our country, you can feel yourself get numb. You could feel yourself get hardened. You could feel yourself growing cold and bitter. And my prayer, for some reason, when I injured my back, I just kept thinking about my future. I was like, God, I don't want to get to the end of my life and be bitter, hardened, and cold. God, I don't want to reach the end of my life sucked of life, hope, and joy. I don't want to see Jesus face-to-face as a numb, calloused, bent-over, broken-back shell of a man that I used to be. I want to reach the end of my life full full of more hope, full of more faith, full of more joy, full of more life. I want to make it to the end with a tender and a full and an open heart. But life has a way of hardening us, doesn't it? I mean, I think one of the greatest challenges, and I've said this many times, we face in our walks of faith is learning to remain childlike while growing up is learning to retain that childlikeness that that we can be free and open and soft. If we're not careful, if we're not intentional, I find that the struggles, the disappointments, the burdens of life, they harden our hearts. And how could you not get numb and hardened by the way everything in our life seems to be right now? Um, I don't know about y'all, but on Facebook... They have the feature. I'm dating myself. I I check Facebook like once every few days. Okay. Okay, Gen Z. But on Facebook, um, they have the feature where it's like 10 years ago, and it shows your post or a picture you put up. And lately, I've been getting a lot of posts from 10 years ago when I started pastoring, because I started pastoring in like 2012. And I'm getting all these 10 years ago posts of things that I posted on my Facebook. And honestly, 90% of them are pretty cringe. But I noticed something. There's this earnestness. There's this like hope-filled quality to 25-year-old Mickey. I would post things so boldly, but I was so naive. Like knowing what I know now, like I cringe a little bit, but part of me feels a little sad that I became a little harder. Like something in me became a little more calloused as I've aged, even while I was in the church. I think we mistake this, we have this misunderstanding that as we grow up and mature, 
what it looks like is we get out of our heads and we learn to face reality. And I think that's true. There's a sense where our naivety is broken and we stop wasting our time hoping for impossible things and finally just accept reality as it is. But when I look at Jesus, who's arguably the most mature and whole human being to walk this earth, this guy is the kind of guy who said, if you pray and believe, the mountains will be moved. This is the kind of guy that prayed for deaf people and they would start hearing it. He prayed for a person who was dead and that person came back to life. When I think about Jesus, there was nothing about his life that just accepted reality. His head was still very much in the heavens while he was still walking on earth. In our younger years, I think that we have this hope um, and faith that, that defies all odds, but, but we kind of do it. Um, in a way where we're unaware of reality. In other words, in our younger years, we, we have hope and faith um, unaware of reality. But I think as we mature, what starts to happen is we learn to have hope and faith in the face of reality. Like when you think about 10 years ago, there's just a lot you didn't know. Like you can't know things as an 18-year-old kid. So when I see 18-year-olds posting on TikTok the wisdom of life, I'm like, you have not been through enough life to know anything yet, right? We have to learn to accept reality. We have to learn to see things as they are. But maturity isn't letting go of faith and hope in the face of reality. It's learning to still have hope and faith in the face of certain reality. One of my favorite pastors, he says, faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. It denies it a place of influence. In other words, it's not ignoring, it's not being unaware or naive to the reality of the harshness and the bitterness of our world. It's learning to face it, but not allowing it to have influence or control over our lives. I think most of us can resonate with this understanding that I feel a little hardened. I feel a little calloused. I don't feel as optimistic as I used to be. I don't have as much hope or faith as I used to carry. And I feel like the thing that God wants to do today is he wants to soften our hearts again. Um, I committed the gravest culinary sin this year because on our anniversary, I got two Wagyu steaks from Costco and they're about 200 bucks a piece. It was an expensive meal. And Jacob, I told Jacob this many times. By, by the way, the best steak I've ever had was at Jacob's house. Go find Jacob and ask him to cook for you. Just kidding. But I had these two beautiful pieces of Wagyu, and I committed the gravest culinary sin. I overseasoned them, and then I overcooked them. And you know, Krista, normally, you know, she's an Enneagram type two. Normally, she's like, even if I give her a gift that's, like, garbage, she'll, like, be like, oh, wow, I love, like, she'll take, take the L and be, like, courteous and nice. When she took a bite of this thing, she's like, I can't eat this. It's inedible. <laughs> Actually, I probably could have returned it. You're right. Costco has great return services. But that would have been kind of messed up. But anyway, I was thinking, I think we're a lot, sometimes when we become too hardened, just like the Wagyu is inedible, we become, like, we, we're not stomachable with the people in our lives. There's, there's something that happens to us when we lose our tenderness, where people don't want to be around us. We're not attractive. We're not good witnesses and representatives of the gospel. And I believe that God wants us to remain tender and open-hearted, full of faith and hope as we navigate through our lives. And so that's what we're going to look in today, Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9. Jesus is sitting with a bunch of people, and I'm going to go read this for us, and he's telling this parable. 
And we're going to look into that today. So Matthew 13, 1 through 9. Sorry, we don't have it up on the screen. By the way, Austin and Joanna, congratulations. They also ran the marathon. Let's go. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. One of these days, I'm going to preach from a boat. Wouldn't that be epic? Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along the rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. When we read this story, we should want to be that soil that bears a lot of fruit, right? But oftentimes our lives feel more like the other seeds that scattered along the thorns or on the path with the sun scorching it up. But here's the thing. The problem is not the seed. The problem is the soil. I think sometimes we think the problem is the seed. God, you're not speaking. God, you're not moving. God, the country is not what it used to be. God, you're not doing this. God, you're not doing that. God, you're not speaking. God, why don't you lavish us with your love anymore? But how many of you know the problem is not the seed? The problem is the soil. That the seed is still good. God is always speaking. God is always moving. Even in the hellish year we're living in, God is moving even in our country, even among the people that we least expect. He's always longing to lavish us in love. I always believe that God is always moving toward us in love. The problem is not the seed. The problem is the soil. And the problem is that oftentimes the soil of our hearts prevents the good seed of the gospel from bearing fruit in our lives. And we have, to, we have to understand what it takes to cultivate that good seed. In, in, in Matthew 13, it continues in verse 14. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Why? For this people's heart has become calloused or hardened. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Yo, you ever talk to someone and they're they're like listening to what you're saying, but they're not hearing you? Come on. You've been there before. You're talking with someone and they're listening to everything you're saying, but they're just not understanding. They're not getting it. And this is what Jesus is saying to this crew. He's saying, you're seeing, but you're not perceiving. You're hearing, but you're not understanding. The seed is planted in your heart, but it's unable to bear good fruit. Why? Because your hearts are calloused. They're hardened. They're closed. And because your hearts are calloused, you're unable to perceive the beautiful things I'm doing in and through you. And he's saying, if you would let me, I would make the heart, the soil of your heart, soft again to be able to bear the good fruit of the gospel. There's another story in Mark chapter 6, 47 through 52. It says, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land, speaking of Jesus. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. 
They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. In other words, they're on this boat and Jesus, he starts walking across the water. By the way, I used to pray for this. I used to go to a swimming pool and be like, God, help me walk on water. Never happened. But you should try it. Who knows? And Jesus, he's walking on the water at night. And you imagine, I would be hella scared. Like, I love scary movies, but if I'm in a boat and I see someone walking, like just in the distance with the fog rolling through, I would be freaked out. And these disciples, they saw Jesus and they thought he was a ghost. See, there's a miracle happening, happening right in front of them. But instead of seeing God, they see ghost. Instead of seeing the miracle, they see something else. Instead of rejoicing, they're terrified. Instead of celebrating and worshiping, all they could do is be afraid. See, the thing is right before this passage where Jesus walks on the water and they're terrified, think he's a ghost. Jesus, what does he do? He feeds 5,000 people. He takes five loaves of bread, two fish. He multiplies it, feeds 5,000 plus people. They see this miracle. They know Jesus is capable. But the very next chapter, the very next cutscene, Jesus is walking miraculously on the water and they can't perceive the miracle. They can't see it's Jesus. They can't see his God. Why? Because their hearts were hardened. Hear me, church, God could be doing the biggest miracle right in front of you. But if your heart is hardened, you won't even be able to see it. In fact, some of you might perceive it not as a blessing, but as a curse. You might be afraid, as the disciples were, instead of rejoicing that God is doing something. And I find when we have a hardened heart, we're unable to see when God is moving. We're unable to perceive the good things that he has for us because we are calloused, because we are hardened. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life missing him. You guys know that Aerosmith song? I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I'll miss you, Jesus. <laughs> no lie, I used to do a house of prayer, and I sang that one time in the middle of the set. It was after service, and um, one person was in the front, and she was weeping as I was singing this. But I know all of y'all would roll your eyes, but this person was really blessed. And then I was like, all my life, I pray for someone like you. And I thank God that I... Yeah, right. I won't do that here. I promise. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss God in my life. I don't want to miss him moving. I don't want to get to the end of my age. And in hindsight, realize God was moving in and through everything, but in the moment was never able to see it. Come on. Hindsight is 2020. We all know years from now, you went through that trial. You're out of it. You went through that struggle. You got the breakthrough, but during you had no idea you were miserable. And it's not, that it's, mis- it's not that it's not miserable, it's not that it's not hard, but there's something different when in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the lake, in the dark, in the middle of our mystery, in the middle of our wondering, in the middle of our trial, that we can still hold on to hope and faith, still see God moving in the midst if we would learn to soften our hearts. Another translation says their hearts were dull, Hardened, callous, dull. And I think the word dull implies that at one point it used to be sharp. The word calloused implies that at 
At one point, it used to be tender. The word hardened implies at one point, it used to be soft. It implies at one time, you were able to believe. It implies at one time, you were able to hope and to dream and to have faith. It implies at one time, you were able to love so freely. And maybe some of you are here today, and you can resonate with everything you're saying. You can resonate with this feeling of numbness, with this callousness, with this hardness. But you can remember a time when you used to have a lot of hope. When you used to pray and actually believe that God was going to move. When you used to open up scripture and trust that God would speak to you. When you used to be able to love freely. When you used to be able to worship unreserved and freely. When you used to be open and ready for God to speak. When you used to be eager to hear God and see him move. Maybe you could remember a time when you used to be sharp. When you used to be soft. When you used to be tender. But now you find yourself calloused and numb and hard and cold and bitter. But the thing, the hope of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is this. We don't have to live this way. And I think what God does is he comes and he meets us in the place that we're at and he ushers into the new and the better thing. In Ezekiel, the prophet is prophesying of a day and he's speaking over Israel, but I believe he's speaking over us too. He says, I will give you a new, what? A new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I love that the passage doesn't say, get yourself a new heart. Praise yourself into a new spirit. Work yourself into being soft and tender again. It says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The implication here isn't that we need to do more or press in harder. There's no way, I don't know if you've tried it, that we can get out of our endless cycles of sorrow or anything that we're going through. But God says you don't have to because I am the one that will give you a new heart. If your heart is hardened, I will be the one that will soften it. If your heart is callous, I will be the one want to remove the scabs and give you the new and tender heart that can see what I'm doing. You see, it starts with the confession that I can't do it, God. I can't fix my heart. I can't get in there and do surgery. I need you to do it. And some of us, the simple prayer we need to be praying these days is, God, I, wanna, I want to want you again. I want to want you. And some of us, we don't feel enough faith to pray that prayer or we don't think we can pray that prayer because we should want God. But there's, watch, watch, trust me. Go home this week, just pray that prayer because God's the one that puts that desire in our hearts in the first place. God, I want to want you. God, I want to be tender again. God, I want to be soft and open again. I want to see you. I want to be open to the things you're doing. God, would you give me a new heart? Would you take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh? But I love faith never ends there. And I I preach about this all the time. We have so many believers in the church that pray something and don't do a single thing about it. But how many of you know that we are to become, in a sense, 
the answers to our own prayers. In a sense, we're called to embody the prayers that we pray. Yo, if I pray to lose weight for 10 years and I don't change my diet or exercise, God better not give me a new body because that's my responsibility. If I, if I pray, God, I want to run this half marathon next year and I don't train, yo, you better believe I'm going to die on that track. You better believe that I will not finish. Why? Because we have a responsibility not just to pray in faith, but to walk in faith. And both are required if we want to see the breakthroughs of God in our lives. How many of you know that your habits are the things that determine your heart condition? Your habits are the thing that determine the soil of your hearts, the things that you actually do. You know, Chris and I, we've been married for, dang, six years. It's so crazy. And, you know, having a kid, I'll tell you, some parents, like, they do great. But having a kid really does put a strain on your marriage in some way. And I think for me, Chris and I navigating this year has been learning how to continue to love each other as husband and wife and not just be co, uh, co-partners in being mom and dad. And I think part of the struggle in learning that, we, we realize there will be seasons and stretches of time where because we don't be intentional about being husband and wife, our hearts become cold and calloused and hardened towards each other. But I, I don't know, maybe it's because my, my primary love languages are, lo- are a touch and words. But for me, like, I could be mad at you, and you could have hurt me so deeply. But if you just look in my eyes and tell me something nice to me and touch my hand, like, I will forgive you literally in an instant. And I found that with Krista and I, sometimes all it takes to soften our hearts, the one action is simply to do what we used to do when we fell in love. And so sometimes we'll be driving, and we're not talking to each other. I've, like, my heart's hardened, but I'm not, like, mad. It's just I'm numb. But as soon as she reaches over and just grabs my hand, and I feel the warmth of her fingers on mine, and she says, I love you, like, something happens in that moment. When we do the things that we used to do, where my heart's just melted, and the hardness, it's just, it's softened. And all of a sudden, the callus is removed, and I'm able to feel again. I'm like, oh, my God, I love you, too. And then I break out into a song, and I pull over the car and do a dance number. Just kidding. Flash mob. No. But all of a sudden, the emotions start rushing in, and the hardness of heart goes away. And maybe it's not as simple as that for you. But what were the things that you used to do with God that brought you so much life? That made you eager. I got to get back into his presence. I got to hear more of him. I got to want him more. I want to see him move in my life. I want to tap into the presence. What are the things that you did early on that brought you so much life? That made that love connection of intimacy between you and him. Part of the responsibility of softening our heart and hearts is number one, to believe that God is the one that does it. But number two, to act in faith and do the things that you used to do when your heart was soft, when your heart was in love. I believe many of us have walked in today and we feel that hardness of heart and we just don't know what to do with it. And we've tried to get out of it on our own. We've tried all the things that we could think of to try to soften ourselves, to be open to what God wants to do. But I believe that God is meeting you here today saying, I will give you a new heart. I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh because I want you to see everything that I'm doing. 
I want you to be able to receive everything that I have for you. I want you to hope again. I want you to dream again. I want you to believe again. I want you to hunger again. I want you to feel again. I want you to tap into the things that have been buried for so long because you are called to live life and life to the full. And that's the way that I've created you to live. That's the way I've designed you to be. But you have to give me your hardness. You have to let me come in. You have to let me soften you. You can't do it on your own. And as I do that, you have to walk in faith. You have to do the things that you used to do. And I believe as we enter into this new season as a church, the one thing that will stifle us as a community is hardened hearts. We've been in church for 10 years some of us 15 years, some of us our whole lives, some of us a number of years, we've gone through the routine and there's almost this like, I know what to expect. I know what I'm gonna get on a Sunday morning. There's this, there isn't that sense of wonder and awe. And I think that God, he wants us to recapture that. He wants us to be like kids again. Yo, when I look at Zion, I mean, when I see him experience things for this, so we, he has not eaten any sugar up until, any, besides natural sugar, like in fruits, he has not had any sugar. And yesterday for his birthday party, my sister-in-law, she made him a tiny smash cake, the cutest little cake, like this big. And Zion, for the first time, tried sweets. And I'm thinking, man, the excitement this child has when he tries something for the first time. Like everything right now to him, he's in wonder and awe. Like we show him a brand new TV show, Daniel Tiger on Amazon Prime, he's in awe. If we show him a brand new YouTube, he's in awe. We got him a microphone for his toljabi, he's in awe. Everything is new, everything's exciting. And I wonder, what's it like to be like that again? To wake up every morning and say, God, I wonder what you have for me. I haven't felt that in so long. But I want to. I want to be that 60-year-old jovial, jolly Mickey. When people are around me, they say, that man is living life. He has not become hardened and cold. And I want us to be a people that embody that. I want us to be 70-year-old church members. When people walk in, we're not those bitter, oh, things used to be better back in my old day. No, I want us to be people that are still excited, still open to seeing how God wants to move. But it requires us coming to God and say, God, would you give me a new heart? So right now, I just want to invite you to a time of response. Why don't we close our eyes? I don't know if you resonate with anything I'm saying. I don't know if this message hits you at all, if you feel anything that I was saying, but, but I certainly do. I think especially when it comes to church and religion and faith, I think a lot of us, we've, we've been through Almost everything we can imagine. We know what to expect. We know what this entails. But I believe that God wants to soften us. I believe God wants to give us a tender heart once again. I believe there are new things that God longs for us to perceive and even new blessings that he wants us to receive if we would just say, God, come in. Take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. My sense is that many of you want that. Many of you want to hope again. Many of you want to dream again. Many of you want that sense of wonder and awe and excitement, but you just don't know how. God's saying, you know, it's okay. You don't have to know how. Just ask me to come in. Let me do it. 
So that's our prayer today, God. God, would you come in? Would you give us a new heart? Would you give us hearts of flesh? Would you take these hardened hearts of stone? And would you give us your life? Come in and have your way, God. We welcome you.